Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us to minister your word. We thank you for giving us utterance and for giving your people understanding. We believe in the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit who is all-sufficient as the teacher and the one who leads us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got legacy on my mind because that's what we've been talking about this weekend with the men. We've been talking about legacy. And we've been forced to think about our death. I know you come to church and you don't want to hear about death. But from time to time, we need to talk about death because when we, when we confront the reality of our own death, it can help us live better lives. Amen? So from time to time, we need to remind ourselves that we're not here forever. And we are getting older. And for some of us, we have passed the halfway mark. But don't be afraid. We have eternal life. Amen. So we just transition. We don't, we don't ever cease to be. We just move out of here and continue to live at a completely different dimension, much greater than this one. Amen. But there is a, a time, a window of opportunity that God gives us, and he puts us on this earth to fulfill purpose, to fulfill destiny. And it's important for God's people from time to time to ask themselves, how am I living what contribution am I making, and what will I be remembered for? Hmm? When your time comes and you exit this world, what will men remember you for? What will your family remember you for, your biological family? What will your spiritual family, your church family? Because the, the biological family is important to God, but the spiritual family is important to God. We are God's family, and we are brothers and sisters. And the church is the only thing that is really eternal. Your biological families will, will cease to exist. One day, Elder Joseph will no longer be married to Eileen, and I'm sorry. One day, Bishop Johnson will no longer be married to Pastor Chris. Not on earth, but in heaven. Because Jesus said there's no marriage there. I don't know how he's going to work that one out and keep us happy, but he's going to do it. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to do that and keep us joyful, but somehow he's going to do it in Jesus' name. The fact is our biological families are very, very important on this earth, but they're not eternal. The spiritual family is eternal. So we need to be concerned about our biological families, but we definitely also need to be concerned about our spiritual families. So how will your spouse, how will your children remember you? How will your pastor, how will the members of your spiritual family, this church God has made you a part of, what are you going to be remembered for? What's going to be your legacy? When you leave this world, what are you going to leave behind for the generation that follows you? We're talking about legacy. Do you, even, do you ever think about those things? Because you see, when you start thinking about legacy and your own mortality, then there are questions you really need to begin to ask. And you need to start examining yourself and ask yourself, how am I spending and using my time? You see, you can, you can waste your time or waste your life. Because anytime you're wasting time, you're wasting your life. You can waste your life. You can spend your time or spend your life just just foolishly, or you can invest your life. Amen? You can on purpose and intentionally decide, this is how I am going to live. This is how I'm going to use the time that God has given me, the talents that God has given me, the treasure God has given me. This is how I'm going to use these things because I am concerned about my legacy. I am concerned about what my life will mean what will men remember me for? That's my legacy. What will God or heaven reward me for? That's my legacy. 
My legacy can be negative or positive, but as children of God, all of us should leave a positive legacy. You know, Adam lived, and Adam's legacy was death. Because of the decisions he made, the choices he made, what he passed down to generations ever after was death and separation from God. That was his legacy. Then on the other extreme was the legacy of the last Adam, Jesus. And his legacy was to give life and to restore and reconcile men to God. So if you look at those two men as two bookends of history, you have Adam on one end and you have Jesus on the other and the rest of us are in between. And we get to decide what are we going to add to or take away from this story. If you go to the typical cemetery, you will find that there are tombstones, and there are two years that are on the tombstone. The, the, the year you were born and the year you die. In between is a dash. That's your legacy. You decide what the dash means. When someone look at that dash, what will it say to them? We have choices to make. You and I must choose what the dash is going to mean. That's your legacy. That's what men will remember you for. That's what your children will remember you for. That's what your spouse will remember you for. That's what your pastor will remember you for. That's what the members of your spiritual family will remember you for. That's where, what the people you work with are going to remember you for. That dash. What do you want the dash to mean? Don't leave it to chance. Be intentional. Make some decisions about how you're going to spend the rest of your days. Many of us, when we were young, we don't think about legacy. We live for pleasure. But I'm not looking at too many young people here right now. I'm looking at some to, to more mature people. And I hope that by this time, you realize you can no longer live for pleasure. You got to start living on purpose, for purpose. See that neighbor, when you were a child, you talk like a child and you behave like a child. But now you are a rusty, <laughs> crusty, <laughs> mature person. Amen. Now you live for purpose. Are you hear me? When we talk of a legacy, we begin to think about how we live and why we live and why we do what we do. What are you going to be remembered for? Again, I'm going to take you to your funeral because unfortunately, unless Jesus comes before, it's going to happen. At your funeral, if you get to be there, let's say God allows you to, to be present. Somehow you see it. And people now are about to, make, to, to give what they call tributes. But at this particular funeral, they're permitted to say exactly what they feel. <laughs> they're not politically correct, not trying to make you look good. No, you know that at this funeral they are going to say exactly what they feel about the life you lived and how it impacted them. All right? And the first person that comes up is your spouse. She, he will say exactly how those 20, 30, 40, 50 years they spent with you impacted them. Because that's going to be your legacy. What will she or he say about the kind of husband or wife you were? That's your legacy. What do you hope 
she will say or he will say. That's what you want your legacy to be. If there's a gap between what she will say and what you hope she or he will say, you've got some work to do. Thank God you still got life. You can say, okay, this is what I know she would say right now or he would say, but this is what I really, really want to be remembered for. This is what I want her to say or him to say. There is a gap. Now, I have to make some decisions with the rest of the days that God gave me. I'm going to close that gap. And hopefully I have enough time that by the time I leave, what she will say or what he will say and what I really want to be remembered for are the same. Your children come up next. And it's the same thing. They get to say exactly what kind of dad you were, exactly what kind of mother you were, how your words and your actions and your behavior either added life to them or took something away from them. That's your legacy. What do you want your daughter and your son to be able to say about you, dad, or about you, mom? If there's a gap, you got some work to do. Think about your legacy. But it's not just your biological family, it's your spiritual family too. Because I just told you, the spiritual family is what is eternal. So your pastor is present and he gets to talk about you. <laughs> and I get to say exactly. <laughs> I don't have to be politically correct. I don't have to worry about what people would say about me after I say it. I get to say exactly about you what kind of member, what kind of member were you in this family? What did you add to this family that God has made you a part of? What did you contribute to the health and strength and well-being of your brothers and sisters in the Lord, of, in this community of faith, which God has made you a part of. Did your presence add significantly to, to this community, making it better for others, or did it take away? What did you give to strengthen and build the spiritual family? How much of your time and your talents and your treasure were you willing to sacrifice on behalf of your brothers and sisters, on behalf of the assignment and the mission God has called us together to fulfill? What do you think I would say if I had an opportunity to pay tribute and to give witness to your contributions in this spiritual family God made you a part of. If what you think I will say is exactly what you want me to say, great, keep doing what you're doing. You're building a great legacy because I'm going to be able to say exactly what you want me to say. But, say to your neighbor, but. <laughs> If the gap between what you know I would say, because I'm being honest, right? And what you want me to say is huge. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got some work to do. You got to work on your legacy. <laughs> you got to work on your legacy. You got to make some adjustments in your priorities. You got to make some adjustments on how you're going to spend your time and your talent and your treasure in furthering the cause of God through your family, through your local church. These are things that are, that are 
on God's mind. I pray that these things will be on my mind and on your mind. And we allow these things to influence the way we live. Are you thinking about legacy yet? Okay, let me take you out of your funeral now. You're alive. <laughs> we, we will delay the funeral for, for some time. Father, please give us a lot more time. In Jesus' name, give every man, give every woman here a lot more time to create the kind of legacy that you desire for each of us. Give us more time, Lord, to do what we should have been doing all along. Give us more time to do your will. Give us more time to fulfill your purpose. Do, give us more time, Lord, to bring you glory and honor with our lives. We want our witness to our family. We want our witness in our local church. We want our witness in the world to bring you glory and honor. God, we've wasted time. We've wasted our lives. Give us more time, God, that we may use the time you gave us to fulfill your purpose. May my legacy and your legacy bring glory to God. Now, when you start thinking legacy and you start talking about great legacies, you've got to start thinking about service. Because you will not be remembered for what you have or hold on to. You're going to remember for what you give. Are you hearing me? So let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. I want us to look at verse 25 and 28 because these are the words of Jesus. And, and the, the question that gave rise or the, or the situation that gave rise to what Jesus is about to say, Matthew chapter 20, please. Matthew 20, verse 25. The, 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 the issue that gave rise to this particular uh, statement by Jesus was the fact that the disciples were beginning to talk about being great. And in this particular episode, the mother of, of uh, James and John, who was a relative of Jesus, in fact, that was, she was Jesus' aunt. You know, James and John were Jesus' first cousins. Did you know that? So auntie came to her nephew and said, nephew, I know God is using you mightily. You're building this great kingdom, and I got confidence that with all that I see God doing through your life, you're going to be real great. I just want you to promise me that when you come into the kingdom, you see my two boys, those are your first cousins. You're, you all used to spend time at each other's house. You all used to play together. You slept in the same bed. Remember, I used to come and see you? Yeah, yeah. So make sure that you put one of them on your left hand, and you put the other one on your right hand because you know blood is thicker than water. All these other guys who follow you, they're not related to you. They're not seeking your interest. So put your own relatives close to you because nobody will love you and care for you like your, your own. So she was trying to persuade Jesus to make sure James and John got their top spots in his kingdom. Jesus said, you know what you're asking for? And the Bible says the other disciples, when they heard, they were indignant. Why? Because they wanted to be on the left and on the right. And so Jesus said, okay, let me tell you all something. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Next verse. Let's read it together. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you. Now, Jesus does not rebuke them for wanting to be great. Come on. You, it's a good thing to desire to leave a great legacy. Why should you want to be mediocre? Why should you want to live a life that makes little difference, has no difference? No. It's a godly thing to say, for however long God gives me breath, I want every day that I spend on earth to make a great difference for somebody else. I want every day I spend on earth to make a difference for the kingdom. So, so don't allow yourself to just settle for mediocrity and say, well, whatever it will be, what will it be? I don't care what my life mounts up to as long as. No, the Bible says a man's life does not consist of what he eats and drinks. 
is not just about making it from day to day. We're not called to make a living. We're called to make a difference. And, and you ought to want to make a great difference. Are you hearing me? Don't just say, I just want to make it, you know, just have enough to eat and enough to drink and enough, a place to sleep. And if I got that, that's all I want for my life. No. Those things are needed, but you need a purpose that's far greater than just simply existing. Now go back, please. Whoever desires to become great, you desire to leave a great legacy, to have a great impact upon your generation and the generations that will follow. Jesus says, let him be what? Your servant. Now that is a universal principle. Whatever endeavor, no matter what it is, the key to greatness, the key to leaving great legacies is a commitment to being a servant. If you want to be a great businessman, you've got to serve your customers. If you want to be a great lawyer, you've got to serve your clients. If you want to be a great pastor, you've got to serve your congregation. If you want to be a great politician, you need to serve your constituents. If you want to be a great spouse, you got to serve your companion. There's no such thing as greatness without service. What makes a person great is his commitment to serving God and to serving others. Here's the fact. No one is born great. People become great when they make a great commitment to a great cause. I hear me? Say to your neighbor, no one is born great. Amen. Great men are those ordinary men who found a great cause and made a great commitment to that cause. And it was the great commitment they made to serving that great cause that today we can look at such men and say these are great. Martin Luther King wasn't born great. He, didn't, he wasn't born with greatness attached to his name. He was simply Martin. But we now consider him great because at some point in his life, he discovered a great cause, made a great commitment to that cause, was willing to sacrifice for that cause, and even to pay the ultimate price. That is why we call him great. His legacy is impacting generations and will impact generations to come. Not because he was born great, but because he became great when he made a great commitment to a great cause that he was willing to sacrifice for, serve, and even die for. And you can take that and apply that to everybody who you call great, truly great. Mother Teresa, she wasn't born great, but she discovered a great cause, made a great commitment to that cause, was willing to serve that cause and sacrifice for that cause. Today we call her one of the greatest women that ever lived. You go into the Bible, every person who we call great, Moses wasn't born great. The Apostle Paul wasn't born great. Peter wasn't born great. Those were all ordinary people. But they left behind this great legacy. They made such a great difference on their generation and on generations to follow because they committed to a great cause. Now, let me tell you this. The greatest cause that any man or woman can commit to that will allow that man or woman to truly have the greatest legacy ever is the kingdom of God. Amen? It is the kingdom of God because when you commit to the kingdom of God, you're committing to what Jesus committed himself to. You're committing to what Jesus lived for 
what Jesus served, what Jesus sacrificed for, and what Jesus died for, the kingdom of God. And when we say kingdom of God, we're talking about will of God. And when we say will of God, we're talking about God's will for the family, God's will for the church, God's will for the world. When I discover the kingdom of God, and I don't just make a half-hearted commitment, but I make a great commitment to the kingdom of God, to cooperating with the spirit of God, to see God's will done, God's plan followed for the family, the biological family, the church, the spiritual family, the nation, the world, when I am completely sold out to seeing God's will, God's kingdom being advanced, God's plan for the family, God's plan for the church, God's plan for the world being fulfilled, and I'm prepared to cooperate, hear me, and my commitment is to serve that cause, to sacrifice for that cause, and if necessary, to die for that cause. I have found a cause that will bring out of me the greatness that is there. Let, let, me, let me say it this way. Every person needs a cause much greater than himself that will draw him out of himself and bring out the greatness that is there. If you will ever be truly great, if your legacy will ever be truly great, then you need a great cause far greater than you. And a great cause is one that you will sacrifice for. If you can't sacrifice for it, it's not great. A great cause is one that you're prepared to sacrifice for and, if required, to die for. And this is exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus provides us not only with, with words, but by example, he shows us how to be great. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Even though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to hold on to. But what did he do? He humbled himself, and the Bible says he became a man. He became a servant. He found a cause great enough to live for, great enough to sacrifice for. And he made a total commitment to that. It wasn't half-hearted. And that's why the Bible says he became obedient even to the point of death. Even the cross was not enough to cause him to back away from the cause. Even the cross, the price of going to the cross was not enough to cause him to turn his back. If it be your will. If the cross is where I must go for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of your will, for the sake of doing what you've called me to do. My commitment to you, oh God, is so great. My commitment to you, God, is so total. My commitment to you is so absolute. I, if required, I will go to the cross. I will not save my own life. I will make your kingdom even greater than my life. And because of that kind of commitment to this cause, the will of God, the kingdom of God, to God's plan for the family, for the church, for the world, the Bible says God has now lifted Jesus up and exalted him. Oh, I see your exaltation. Yeah, I see your exaltation. Your exaltation is going to come as you humble yourself and commit yourself to service and sacrifice. Even as God lifted Jesus, God will lift you up. I told you your legacy is what men will remember you for on earth. It's what heaven will reward you for. And God rewarded Jesus by exalting him and giving him a name that is above all name. What name has God given to you? What name will God give you? What impact will your name have on the generations of today and those that come after you?
if we're going to leave legacies that are truly great, and I hope everybody here wants to leave a great legacy, then we've got to commit ourselves like Jesus to a cause bigger than ourselves to the kingdom of God. And we've got to be willing to serve that kingdom and sacrifice for that kingdom to see God's purpose and God's will done. Sacrifice, give the time, give the treasure, give the talent so that his will can be done. It's also going to require that you and me change the way we see ourselves and how we view ourselves in the kingdom in terms of our role. You know, you look at, you look at me, you see, Bishop is a minister, and I am a minister. And the reason I'm preaching to you and teaching to you today is because many years ago, I sensed God was calling me into ministry, and I said yes. I said, Lord, if this is what you've called me to do, this is what you've called me to, Yes, Lord, here I am. I was sharing with the men that when I told my teachers in high school that I was going to be going to Oral Roberts University to study theology, so many of them were disappointed because they had plans for me. They could envision me being a lawyer, maybe a politician, maybe one day president of Liberia. And here is this young man who has the potential perhaps to succeed in Delhi. He, he's going to Owen Roberts. Why isn't he going to Harvard or Princeton? Why doesn't he get this prestigious law degree and, and, and pursue a career in politics? And he's saying he wants to go to Owen Roberts University, study theology to be a preacher. They were so disappointed. And after I went to Owen Roberts, got my degree, went back to Liberia, one of my classmates he looked at me, he said, DJ, I'm, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> but that's how the world thinks. Amen? Yes, in the natural, God has gifted me. In the natural, I could have chosen another career. And in the eyes of men, maybe, be greater in the eyes of men. But what matters is not the way men see me ultimately. What matters is what God says about me, right? Because it's only what God says about you and me that is eternal. What men say about you do really doesn't matter. Ultimately. But I'm so glad that I said yes to the call to be a minister. And because I was able to make that decision at an early age, it helped me from making a lot of mistakes. Who knows who I would have married if I hadn't said yes early. I would have missed this beautiful wife, you see. Amen. But because I knew my call, I knew that the woman who I marry has to be someone with whom we can fulfill that call. Amen. The school I went to was chosen because of the call that I had said yes to. You follow me? Uh, we, we, we went back to Liberia, began to pastor in Liberia, and then you know the story of how Bethel started. We were here, and we couldn't go back because of the call that I had said yes to. I knew I wasn't going to go seek no job to be a lawyer or go back to school and get a new degree and go do something else. Why? Because I knew that this was what he has called me to. In other words, because I had said yes to the call to be a minister, that yes has informed and directed everything I have done and will continue to inform and direct all that I have done. Listen to me. Your job or your, is, or your, is, or is your occupation. That's how you make your living. You can change jobs a hundred times. No problem. But your vocation is your call. That is eternal. You can, you can live as though you're not called. You can ignore it. You can not be faithful to it. But you can't change it. Every believer 
is called to ministry. It's called to serve the kingdom. We do it in different roles, but each of us is called to ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 says, God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. You are called to minister. The question is, have you said yes? Maybe the difference between me and you is, I recognize the call, I said yes to the call, and I've allowed that yes to govern every other decision. And my question for you as we, as we consider legacy, have you said yes to God's call upon your life to serve his kingdom with your time, with your talent, and with your treasure? Have you consecrated yourself like Jesus when Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. He was consecrating himself to the ministry God had called him to. Have you consecrated yourself? Have you said to God, God, not my will, your will be done. I know you got plans, you got ambitions, you got dreams, you want to own your own business, you want to live in this particular place, you want to do this. My question is, that's, is that what God gave you? Is that what God called you to? Or did you just decide you liked the way it sounded, you liked the way it looked, and so you were going to do that? And until you say yes to your vocation, a lot of decisions you're going to make will be wrong in God's sight. Amen? Are you listening to me? Yes. You will chase opportunities that you should not be chasing. You will avoid hardships and challenges that you should be confronting. You will look for the easy way when what God's will is calling for is for you to go down the narrow road. You will avoid the cross like, like, like Satan tried to get Jesus to avoid the cross. When in fact your vacation, your call requires that you go to the cross. Have you said yes to your vocation? Each one of us is called to ministry to advance God's kingdom on earth. We will be used differently. We have different gifts. God has different roles he wants us to play. But the call to ministry is universal. And each of us needs to say yes to that call. And until we say yes to it, we cannot walk in it. I'm challenging you as you consider legacy with whatever time God has going to give you. If you haven't said yes to this call, say yes today. And then live every day. Get up every day seeing yourself as one who is called to ministry. Go to work on Monday, no longer just as a, an employee or an employer. Go to work on Monday as a minister showing up for duty. Amen. When you walk into your house, don't just walk into your house as a wife or a husband. Walk into your house as a minister of God who is committed to advancing God's kingdom in your home. When you come to church, don't just come to attend church to hear a sermon, sing some songs, feel good. No, show up as a minister of the gospel who is here to advance God's kingdom, to allow God to work through you to fulfill the great commission, to allow God to work through you to fulfill the great commandment, to love and to serve his body. Show up as one who has said yes to a heavenly call. Live each day as one who is an anointed minister 
of Christ in the world. One day Jesus came to Peter and to Andrew at their place of business. These were not high school students. These were not children. These were men who had their own business. They were in the fishing business. They owned their own boat. They had their nets. They were bringing in money. They had a career as fishermen. And Jesus showed up at their place of business. I want you to change your career. This is your job, but this is not your vocation. So I want you to change your job to fulfill your vocation. Follow me. I'm going to make you fisher of men. And the scripture says they left their nets. In other words, they left their jobs. They left their source of living. They left their income. They put all of that behind them. Why? Because the vocation was more important than the occupation. Because the vocation is eternal. The occupation is temporal. And these men left their nets to fulfill their call. What a legacy. Today, a fisherman, we now have two epistles written by him. We, we talk about him. We preach about him. His impact has lasted for generations. Why? He placed his vocation above his occupation. He said yes to God's call, even though it meant the sacrifice of his business. Jesus went to Matthew. Matthew was an accomplished tax, tax accountant and collector. Amen? And Jesus said, okay, you've done well for all of these years. You've been pursuing this occupation. Now I want you to fulfill the call. I'm calling you to leave this, change this job, and prioritize your vocation. I got something else I want to do with your life. For the rest of your life. They said yes. Matthew was used to write a gospel. Talking about legacy. Have you said yes to your vocation? He said Bishop if I say yes. He may tell me to leave my good job. And right now I'm making six figures. Oh Bishop I went to school for this. I got an education. I work hard to get here. Yeah. If Jesus calls you to leave that good job to come be a preacher, say yes. I am so glad I said yes when I was just a child. I'm so glad I didn't listen to my teachers when they made me feel like I was being stupid by choosing to be a pastor or a preacher when I could have pursued some other worldly goal, worldly ambition, worldly career. I'm so glad I say yes. I wouldn't exchange my life now for anything. I like the legacy that God is allowing me to leave. Say yes. Because in saying yes, you need to understand that it is because he wants to make your life even more significant. However, however, it's unlikely that he's going to tell you to change your job is more likely he will allow you to remain right where you are. But what's important is that you are willing to walk away from it should he require you to. If you can say, yes, Lord, if you said leave it, I will leave it, then you've said yes to your vocation. You know, one of the significant periods in my life was again, I, I had married, my, Chris and I were living in a one-bedroom apartment at Oral Roberts, and I was coming to the end of my former studies. 
I think, I think I was working on my doctorate now. I was about to complete my doctorate. And so now I had to go back to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? What's next? I had said yes as a child. I had gone to school. But now, Lord, I'm through with this phase, my education now. I'm completing it. What next? Where am I to go? Now, I'll be honest with you. Where I wanted to spend the rest of my life was Liberia. Because that's where my family were. There was peace then. Folks who came from Liberia then to get an education here didn't come to stay. They came to get their education and go back. So I was looking forward to completing my studies and going back to Liberia, being with my mommy. <laughs> Even though I was old, I still wanted to be mommy's baby. Being with my father, my brothers, my sisters, where I would be with family because family was important to me. That was where I wanted to go. That's where I was eager to go to. But as I prayed, there was a certain door that seemed to be opening into the Caribbean. I think it was Barbados at that time. A church seemed to be coming available. And so now I had to pray about that. In the natural, where did I want to go? Liberia, but it looked like the natural, this was the door that was opening, and this may be where God wants me to go. I wrestled with that because I wanted to be, be go, go home. But I remember getting on my face in my early 20s, on my face, and on the carpet in the living room, and saying to God, God, you know where I want to go. You know I want to go to Liberia. You know I want to be with my family. But Lord, if you want me to go to Barbados and spend the rest of my life there and never again see my earthly family, Lord, your will be done. I shared that with you to show you the kind of commitment that we need to make to our call. By the grace of God, I made that. I pray that God will give you the grace to do the same. That you will be able to get on your face and say, God, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do. But I'm making a commitment to your call and whatever that commitment is or whatever that call requires of me, Whatever sacrifices, yes, Lord, your will be done. Abraham was told to give up Isaac. And he gave Isaac to God. And then God said, now, Abraham, because you have not withheld Isaac, your most precious, your more, most dear possession, the thing you love most, the thing that you desire most, naturally speaking, because you didn't withhold that, Abraham. Let's talk about legacy. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. Your children will be more than the sands on the seashore and stars in the heaven. In you, Abraham, all nations will be blessed. May God say that of me and you. May God say that of this church. Like Abraham, we give you God, Isaac. Like Bishop, we say, God, your will be done. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Father, you have given us your word. You have spoken by your spirit through us. Your people have heard. Now I ask that the Holy Spirit would take this word, which they have heard, and let this word take root in their minds and in their hearts. Let it produce transformation. Let it produce a change in their attitudes and their actions. I pray that henceforth, 
the men and women in this church will commit themselves to the vocation that you have called them to. That they will begin to live each day saying yes to your will as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as ministers of the kingdom of God, that they will live each day for one primary purpose, to advance your kingdom by fulfilling the great commission and obeying the great commandments. Lord, that they will win the loss and allow you to use them to win the loss. And that they will allow you, God, to love, to love, to love their brothers and sisters and to express that love through service. Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me. Whatever God has given you, time, talents, and treasure, he gave those things to you that you might use them to serve him and his kingdom. Let him do so. No longer live for pleasure or to please yourself live on purpose for purpose to please him when you were a child there were a lot of childish things you did you're no longer children you're men you're women live on purpose to fulfill God's purpose for your life if what you want to be remembered for by men and rewarded for in heaven is not Equivalent to how you're living, let's make some adjustments and ask God for the grace to do so in Jesus' name. Find and allow the Lord to show you opportunities to serve him in this spiritual community, this church family, to serve him in this community, to be a greater blessing to your family. Ask the Lord to show you and then start doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.